This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning, Christian Chapel. Cold out there, isn't it? I can't do a thing about it. But great to be with you. Great to be with uh, Pastor Chris and Angie. I need to make a confession. I, uh, you love this, don't you, Chris? When a, pa- when a speaker gets out, I want to make a confession. I uh, have been an avid, fanatical, Oklahoma Sooner fan. Let's keep her down, boys. Keep her down. You might offend someone. And uh, then I met Chris, and I heard about Connor. So now all my favorites is Oklahoma State basketball. Not football. I'm not that saved yet. But anyway, hey, it's great to be with you. Pastor Chris was with us, was with Wilma and I, and Pastor Jason Fullerton, Bartlesville Spirit, was with us for our senior lead, and uh, I only trust, these are all the young men and older young uh, men and women that uh, we have served with in Ireland for over 40 years, so I only trust them the best, and uh, Pastor Chris was phenomenal. The guys loved him, the ladies loved well, I shouldn't say that, but anyway, everybody loved him, and uh, I was just, uh, I was just listening to that great song that we were singing, those words, the fourth man in the fire. I wouldn't be standing here at 79 years old. Some of you are saying you don't look that old. Thank you. I wouldn't be standing here at this age serving the Lord for 60 years. It wouldn't have been for the fourth man in the fire. I remember one uh, uh, Wednesday I'd just flown into Ireland and had booked to do a meeting that night. I'm, I know I'm stupid. and uh, But anyway, did it and arrived there and and uh, went straight to the home of our uh, adopted daughter, our Irish daughter, and found out she was very ill. Our uh, daughter Mary was raised in a, uh, was brought up, she has no idea her parents were brought up in, uh, in one of those terrible institutions that we read the stories about. Let me tell you, they're worse than the stories. And uh, very difficult came into our lives. She was 19. We thought she was probably 15, and uh, we took her home. Uh, I took her home to stay with us three days, and that was 40 years ago. And uh, But God's used her, used us in her life and her in our lives. But I arrived there, and uh, she had polio, had had polio when she was a child, and so her legs were very infected. And I uh, arrived there. I said, you need to go to the doctor. I took her to a doctor. The doctor said, we can't do anything for her. You need to get her in the hospital. We called several hospitals. All of them were, uh, were over, uh, didn't have a space. I called a private hospital and was able to get her in. And all this time is going on. I needed to be in uh, an hour away in a place called Navin at uh, 5 o'clock. Well, I'm still sitting in this hospital. Rush hour traffic is on, and uh, I'm, I'm, there, I'm there at 5.30 at 6. I call my uh, young pastor, and I said, Jamie, I'm not going to make it for that meeting at 6. I'll do my best to be there at 7.30. And finally got her situated I remember being in rush traffic, and I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God for the fourth man in the fire. And uh, I was just praying earnestly as I was driving and arrived there. The service had already started, and uh, I'm jet lagged. I'm out of it. And I said, God, if you don't come, we're in big trouble tonight. And I looked to my left, and there was a young girl 
uh, I looked to my left, and there was a young girl on the on the leading worship, and she was killing it. And uh, I was so moved. I felt something in my spirit for her. So I said to young Sarah, one of our location pastors, I said, Sarah, who's that young girl up there? And said, her name's Heather. And so I, uh, whenever uh, uh, I got up to speak there, I'm exhausted. And uh, I just look at her. She's sitting kind of right here. And I said, uh, and your name is Heather. Well, she nearly fainted because she thought the spirit of the Lord had given it to me. I said, no, I'm not that good. But I said, uh, but the Lord does have a word for you. And I gave her this uh, strong prophetic word. And she stood and the spirit of the Lord just came. And uh, it just, the service just took off because of the fourth man in the fire. After the service, her mother comes up to me. Her mother's name was Grace Murphy. And I remembered Grace. Grace and her family had come to our church whenever she was 14 years old, old St. Mark's Church, that we'll talk about in a few minutes. So they'd come, their whole family had come, six of them that Sunday morning, and all of them were saved. And I gave them all Bibles. Thank God for life for the lost. I gave them all Bibles. And she walks up to me, and she still got that Bible from when she was 14. Now she's a mother of three. And she said, Gary, said that young lady, Heather, is my daughter. She's 14 years old. I was 14 when I came to your church and got saved. She is, my kids go to Sunday school with that Bible. Why? And uh, God has touched her. She touched our family. They're involved in one of our many churches that we planted around the nation. Why? Because of the fourth man in the fire. And God has a word for somebody in the house here this morning. God has words for God, some of God's people that are here, some of you that are here, that God wants you to know the fourth man will always show up. No matter how hot the furnace is, no matter how difficult it is, he will show up. Amen? Give God a hand. Come on. And the scripture says, I sought the Lord, or we read saying it, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he answered. I brought this young lady up here with me today because yesterday we had been married 58 years. I think she was seven. No. Anyway, uh, and... Uh, so last night we went out and celebrated, so that's the reason I look a little tired. We didn't get back to the room till 7 o'clock, and so uh, pretty exhausted. But just about a year ago last week, she had sought the Lord for nearly 30 years, and the Lord heard and answered. I wanted to share a testimony of a miracle that happened in her life. Would you like to hear this? Amen. I'll try not to cry. I can't hardly keep from crying when I tell it. But on the 13th of this month, it's been one year since I've not taken any antacid. And I was taking so much antacid, I had such a terrible uh, digestive issue that I thought I was probably taking more medication than, than my problem was. But I kept praying, and we were in a prayer conference for the district down in Turner Falls, the old, old campgrounds. And uh, Gary had spoke that morning. And we were just tearing before the Lord, just praying, just seeking God. And I turned to a pastor's wife beside me, and I said, would you pray for me? I have had this illness for, probably started 30 years ago. Couldn't eat onions, couldn't eat cucumbers, you know. Some of you have had that problem. And uh, it just got worse and worse until the last, probably almost 20 years ago, I got to where there was only a few foods that I could eat without being sick. The smallest little bit of onion would just, I'd be awake all night. And I just said, would you pray for me? And she just prayed with such faith. 
And I've done that before, and some of you may be struggling with something, and you say, I'm going to take this by faith, I'm going to believe it, you know, <laughs> name it and grab it, claim it, whatever. And I've done that. But this day, I went and ate Mexican food. And that evening, I went and ate something else that the, the, they'd made in the cafeteria. Went home, I didn't take anything, and I slept eight hours. Now, I haven't done that since. I'm an old woman, I have to get up. But I've not taken anything since. And I don't know why God chose to heal me except to encourage you. You're praying for something. Keep praying. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered me. Don't give up praying. I was listening to a pastor this morning. And he was telling the story of a woman who prayed for her husband to come to the Lord for 37 years. And he walked in church one day and said, I'm home. He gave his heart to the Lord, and he's there every Sunday. So don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking God because he hears, and it may not be right away, but God answers prayer. Come on. Come on. Right. Praise, Praise the Lord. That resonated in your spirit, and you've been praying into a situation. It may be a prodigal. It may be a serious financial difficulty. You may be just seeking what God's next step for you is on the journey. And you need to hear from the Lord. And you need the Lord to touch you right where you're at. Would you raise your hand? But we even move on in. That's right. Just raise your hand all over the house. All over the house. All over the house. If there's someone around you that's with their hand, reach out to them right now. Just reach out to them right now. Just reach out to them right now. And let's just believe right now. Yes, there's someone around you. Come on, we're the family of God. We're the family of God, and we believe that God hears and God answers prayer. Just reach out to somebody there, and let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, we believe there's a God in heaven, and he cares for us. We believe that, Lord, in every furnished experience, there's a fourth man, and he cares about our situation. We believe that we can seek you, and you will answer. We have sought you, and we have answered. Wilma sought you for 30 years. Others prayed with her and believed for 30 years. But, Lord, that morning God came on the scene, and a miracle happened. It wasn't just a healing. It was a miracle that transpired immediately. And, Lord, we just ask this right now. We ask this right now for those that are standing here or holding their hands up. We ask you for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. And I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Dear Lord, we believe we have breakthrough. Say it again. Dear Lord, we believe we have breakthrough. Say it again. Dear Lord, we believe we have breakthrough in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Come on. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, when I met at a prayer meeting, I have a friend that has a tremendous church in Manchester, England, Pastor Glenn Barrett, and uh, not many mega churches in Europe, but he has one of them there, and he leads the uh, UK AOG, godly young man. God's using him in a phenomenal way. His church is called Audacious Church, and I remember reading an article, somebody was talking about it, and said, that's just a sex church. Said, people go there to find their mate. I thought, well, why don't they go down to the local nightclub, 
get locked out of their brain, stoned out of their head, and find them a mate there, or we go to a spirit-filled church, we begin to connect and build relationships, and God brings the right person into our life. Amen? And God, 58 years ago, brought this girl into my life, and they're, they, on Facebook, people are saying she deserves a Congressional Medal of Honor for putting up with me and so on. I am sensitive. Those things hurt me deeply. But anyway, maybe God will heal me. Lord, you want to do something among us today. We have a sense of it right now. God, you're in the house in Christian Chapel, and we thank you for your blessing and your goodness in Jesus' name. You have a Bible? Look for a few moments in the book of uh, Isaiah, the 54th chapter. I want to share a scripture with you. There was a scripture that God gave to William Carey. William Carey is called the father of evangelical missions. He was a simple shoe key, a shoemaker and, uh, near Nottingham, and a, a man that, that had no education at the time, and he got a burden for the lost of the world. As he began to study and prepare, he became a Baptist minister. He went to a, he went to a local fellowship meeting, and uh, they said, what are we going to talk about today? And uh, nobody said anything, so William Carey, just a young fellow, stood up. He said, why don't we talk about how we're going to reach the heathen nations of the world? And the man who was chairing the, chairing the meeting said, young man, sit down and shut up. If God wants to reach the lost of the world, he won't use you and I. But when something begins to burn within your spirit, I can remember a man saying to me once when I was preparing to go to Ireland, Gary, you were pastor in a good church. Why in the world would you give that church up to go to Ireland? I said, I can't believe you're a minister of the gospel and you would ask me such a question. Someone said to me once, did you ever have any options? What were your options if you didn't go there? I said, I didn't have an option. My understanding is if God speaks to your heart, you don't have an option. You simply be obedient. How it will happen, how it will transpire, what will take place, what are the obstacles in front of you, what are the opportunities. It doesn't matter. We still walk in obedience. And it was a spark of fire in the heart of William Carey, the same spark that God had in his heart when he said, Jesus is only son to be a missionary. The same spark that was in the heart of Paul when he went to Macedonia. The same spark was in my heart and Wilma's heart when he called us to the nation of Ireland. And William Carey refused to let them put the fire out. And he believed that God had given him a word. And it was said it was a cold morning when he stood in the year 1738 and he shared this scripture that I'm going to share with you out of Isaiah 54. And it's simply this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings and spare not. The King James says, do not hold back. Say that with me. Do not hold back. Say it again. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your pegs. And God is saying that to Christian chapel is in, your, in this time of builders and in this time of believing for God to do more locally and God to do more around the world through your efforts. And God is saying to you, enlarge the place of your tent, lengthen your cords, strengthen your pegs. You will spread abroad to the right 
and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations, and they will resettle the desolate cities. In a few moments, we're going to throw a map up here to show you the journey that we made from 1980 to this day and what God did. And I'll tell you how God does those things. When God spoke to our heart and called us to go to the nation of Ireland, we met with our oversight, and we asked for their blessing, and we wanted to be accountable. And they blessed us and they sent us out. And it was churches like Christian Chapel that believed our vision. I even remember somebody saying, who do you know there? I said, I don't know a soul there. I've never visited there. I was born in England, but I'd never been to Ireland in my life. But I simply knew in my heart there were people there that God had called us to go to. And whenever Andrew, uh, whenever William Carey stood to that group, and he, and he proclaimed this scripture, and he said, I believe God has called me to the nation of India. William Carey went to India. He lost one wife. He lost three children. He lost another wife. But I have stood in Calcutta in the AG church there, and I've helped the Bible that he helped to translate all those many years ago, and I've seen the millions of Christians. I have preached there in a church with over 10,000 people that were involved right near Calcutta, and I've seen the Lord do marvelous things. Why? It was because a man called William Carey had a spark from heaven that was dropped in his heart, and he wanted to touch a nation, and he used him to touch a nation. So God would say to us not only as a church God would challenge you as an individual what God wants you to do now I believe that God has spoke to individuals hearts I believe there are people in this house that you've had a vision a dream a prophetic word a word of knowledge that's been spoken over you about what God wanted you to do and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to fan the flame that ember that is within your spirit to fan it this morning and call it cause it become a blazing in Inferno, that you will see a nation, you will see a people, you will see an individual, you will see your workplace transform because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in a company with you. Why? Because you've got the fourth man in the furnace is with you. Can you give the Lord a praise? Let's move on to a couple of, of uh, uh, slides here, Audrey. Thank you for helping me out there. I want to go on to a uh, I want to go on to a slide here, and I want to show tell you the story about a church called St. Mark's. St. Mark's is a church that was founded in 1746. It is said that John Wesley preached the gospel there. Because they found something in a journal of his that spoke about this church called St. Mark's Church. And from 1746 to 1971, St. Mark's Church was a church of Ireland. It had, an, it had a vision for outreach. It had a stone pulpit. It was surrounded by a cemetery, a stone pulpit there that during the, the days, during the summer days, the gospel was preached to basically 94% of a nation that was Roman Catholic. In 1971, the, it was decided that because so many of the parishioners had left that St. Mark's should be closed down. The archbishop made that decision. There were two evangelical ladies in that church and they believed that God wanted to keep St. Mark's going. And so uh, they insisted that it stay open. They met with the archbishop. He said, no, there's only a few blocks away. There's St. Anne's Church. You can amalgamate with them, but we're going to close that church and sell it on. 
But these ladies knew somebody that was higher than the archbishop, and they began to cry out to God. And from 1971, I only heard this story after we acquired this building. Everywhere we go that God is working, it's because somebody has plowed the ground through intercessory prayer and believed God. And from, and from the time of 71 to 1985, 86, these two dear old sisters met together and prayed once a month in faith that one day God would reopen St. Mark's as a place of evangelism and a place of worship. Meantime, we arrive in Ireland in 1980, and we're working there and doing our best, and God is blessing. In a number of years it took, one church was started. We left to come home for furlough, and it just didn't survive at that time. That's when I made up my mind when I went back. I would not leave till I knew I had people in place, and we went 11 years without a full furlough. But I was, we were praying. We started in a home with 12 people. It began to explode and grow, and we kept moving from place to place. We even rented a, uh, we actually rented in a pub a downstairs ballroom, and we would go in there on, on Sunday morning and clear out the bottles. They had one spirit there on Saturday night. We had a second. We had the real spirit there on Sunday morning, and the Lord's blessing was there. God was, and so, but we were praying for a property. In case you don't know, you see the church, that's who we are, and this is just a building that houses the church called Christian Chapel. Well, we needed a church, and in Ireland, you need a roof because it rains. People go to Ireland, and they he loved to talk about how green Ireland is. It should be green. It, it uh, rains twice a week, four days one time and three days the other time. And uh, so, so we were praying for a place to put our church. And a friend of mine contacted me and told me about this building. I wasn't really interested in this building because it was a Protestant church. And I was working with the Catholic people that had been taught that the devil lived in the Protestant church. In fact, there was a young lady that lived in the flats or, or the uh, projects right behind and when she would go to school, she would go two blocks out of the way so she didn't go by the front door of this church, of this Protestant church, because she was afraid the devil would come out and get a hold of her. That young lady's name was Ann Monahan. She was touched powerfully later by the Holy Spirit, baptized, became born again, baptized in the Spirit, ends up being ordained of the Lord in that very church where she was told that the devil was living. The devil wasn't there. The Spirit of God was there, and the enemy was trying to keep her from going to a place where the Spirit of God could transform her and change her forever. Now, in 1980, when we first arrived, I was in a meeting, and a uh, lady came up to me after the service, and she said, I had a vision for you. Now, I was working with a lot of wild-haired charismatics, and, and uh, some of them really to hear from the Lord, and some of them it was just bad Irish stew the night before. But regardless, these are the people that God had given me to work with. And this lady said, I had a vision when you were giving your testimony tonight and said, in the vision, said, I saw a building. And I saw the inside of that building, and it was full of hundreds of Irish people worshiping the Lord. And the Spirit showed me at the front, exhorting these people and encouraging these people, was you. And I said to the Lord, what is this? She said, this is, the Spirit said, this is the church that Gary will one day lead in the heart of this city. 
when we walked into that building, I, the building was exactly as the vision that had been given six years before. You see, six years is nothing with God. In fact, we have a teen challenge center that God showed me the whole pattern for 40 years before we actually walked into it. Don't give up on the vision and the dream that God has put in your heart. Because if God has put it there and you're faithful in your service of the Lord, I believe it will come to pass. Amen? I believe, yes, I believe the fourth man in the furnace will see it comes to pass. So we walk into it, and there it was without the people. The balcony was there. Everything was there exactly as she said it was. And you can see it right there is a crowd there of young, old, young adults from around the city that are worshiping the Lord. You can see what God does. Why? Because whenever you get here from God and you get a vision from the Lord, God wants to do something, not just for you, but for people there. I remember we were having a prayer meeting. In the, are you with me? Say praise the Lord. Okay? I remember we were having a prayer meeting there, a week of prayer, and we were upstairs praying. And one of our couples, Eileen and Dwayne, they were MAs working with us, came in, and they noticed and downstairs, sitting in the sanctuary, the dark sanctuary, was a young man. And they walked up to the young man, and they said, uh, we're Dwayne and Eileen, what's your name? And he looked up through glazed eyes. He said, my name is Stephen. He said, what is this building? And they explained to him. And they said, why don't you come upstairs? We're having a prayer meeting. And he goes upstairs, and as he walks in the, the entrance into the prayer room there, a young lady is over. He said, I walked in that place. He said, I've been stoned on drugs for years. I walked into that place. He said, there were people laying on their face. He said, there were people. One lady over in a corner was laughing. Some lady on another corner was speaking in a, in a crazy language I'd never heard. Some people were crying. Some people were praying out loud. I thought, this is the craziest bunch. This is probably where I belong and in that moment somebody turned around a young lady turned around named Patricia who's a prophetess turned around and pointed at him and began to prophesy the goodness and the destiny of God over his life he fell in his knees in that doorway and God saved him at that moment we sent him off to teen challenge he got clean he came home I didn't really know his story there was so much happening there in about a two-year period we baptized probably 400 people. We were in the middle of the revival. We didn't realize it was a revival that was going on. We were just doing what God called us to do. Somebody said to me recently, would you, would you write a, uh, would you do some study and would you present to us some kind of document of how you plant churches? I said, I don't know how I plant churches. All I know is I keep showing up and God keeps showing out for his glory. Amen. We just keep showing up. We just keep being faithful. We just keep serving him. We keep giving. We keep believing. We keep trusting. We keep praying. We go with his word, and God just keeps showing up for us because we show up for him. He comes back. He comes to me and shares his story. He said, can I share this in St. Mark's? I said, absolutely. And he stood up, took the microphone, and he said, I was born on Pierce Street. When the Lord gave the original vision in 60, the Lord spoke in it. It was a place on Pierce Street. And said, I was born on Pierce Street. He said, I did my first communion from Pierce Street. I did my confirmation from Pierce Street. I went to my first music class from Pierce Street. And he said, it's on Pierce Street that I got my first hit. 
Pier Street's the first place I stole somebody's purse and took off running. On Pier Street, he said, I was so low in my spirit one day that I actually thought about taking a rope, tying it over a lamppost, and taking my life. But he said, I lived there all these years, and I'd walked by this old building. It was always dark. And I always wondered what it was, but I never made any queries about it. He said, tonight, I, that night, I come walking by the building. And as I walked by the building, I saw there was lights on in the building. I had never seen lights on in that building. And I thought, out of curiosity, I would go in and see what was happening. So he came in. He sat down. He made his way upstairs. God saved. He went to Teen Challenge, got transformed. Now he's married with four children and just been sitting as assistant pastor of an Assemblies of God church in Wales. Why? You see, God called us to that place, not just to reach a nation. God called us to meet him, reach a young man called Stephen and transform his life and to see what God, because prayer, if I was doing the study, if I was doing a in-depth study this morning, I would talk to you about the three things that absolutely are the principles of my life. One of them was nothing of, the, uh, nothing of value ever takes place apart from prayer. The difference between greatness and mediocrity is vision, and you don't quit in the face of difficulty. Say that with me. We don't quit in the face of difficulty. I'm working on a book, and... and uh, it's just going to emphasize the whole thing. It's always too soon to quit. Say that with me. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit because who knows what God has you. Let's go to the next slide here. When we arrived in Ireland, this is what it, this is what it looked like. Those flames are Pentecostal churches that we're going to work with. The church, first church there just above Dublin there. It's in Dublin there was a church of 20, and then the, ch the church up near Louth there in Dundalk was a small church. And then we had two churches up in the north of Ireland in, in Dundonald and in Belfast that we were going to relate to when we arrived there. And so what do you do when you show up and this happens? You know what you do? You just show up and you know in your spirit God has called you. And this is what it looks like today. If I took you over today, and I, uh, can you give the Lord a hand? Yes. You see, you look at that and you say, oh, look at those lovely flames. Look like what God is doing. I can remember whenever Pastor Ron Hart Bonke was with us for some meetings in Ireland that he got up and he shared a vision. He said, when I was praying today before I come here, he said, I saw a map of Ireland and I saw little flames of fire all over. Now, Pastor Reinhard Bonke has gone to be the Lord. I was privileged to work with him a number of times. I've been beside him when the blind eyes were opening up and when the deaf were starting to hear. I've been with him in India when there were 400,000 people there. When he began to call forth the Spirit of God, the demonic was unbelievable what was happening there. But I want to tell you, Brother Reinhard Bonke is with the Lord today, but this is the vision that God gave him. He gave it to a person in, in Holland and to a person in South Africa because when God gives a vision and you're faithful to what God's called you to do, this is what happened. I had a vision to see 50 congregations there, and we took in the 49th congregation the other day. You know what? My vision was too small. I'm going for 100 now. I'm only 79. Why shouldn't I make it? My mother lived to be 101. My granny lived to be 104. I'll still be peddling around here, and we'll be talking about women. I've been married for 78 years. Isn't that? Give the Lord a hand. Come on. 
But you look at this and you see something here. And what you look at right here, you just simply see the flames. But every one of those flames, I can see a face. Here's one of the faces I see constantly before me. This is a couple here. This is Jerry and Pam Dumphy. They're now in their early 70s getting ready to hand the church on. But 25 years ago, Jerry was lying in a hospital, and they said, call all the family in. He was in a severe, deep coma. And uh, they said, call the family in because he's not going to make it. And his wife, Pam, had heard about a man. Sounds like the Word of God, doesn't it? Sounds like when people said, I heard about Jesus. Heard about a man called Al Ryan that had been in the, that had been in the IRA. Man that had alcohol problems. But he had met the Lord in a charismatic Catholic meeting, got saved, got baptized in the Spirit, a man of faith. She called Al. She said, Al, Jerry is very bad. They have said that he'll never make it. Al, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? He said, I'll come and pray for him. And he came, and there was Jerry laying there, incoherent, unable to speak to anybody for days. And he took the Word of God. And he laid it on him. He opened the scripture where he said life is in the blood. And he began to pray over Jerry. And a few hours later, Jerry suddenly opens his eyes. And Jerry knows that God has done a remarkable work in his life. He doesn't understand what's happening, except he knows God has done something. He went back to his traditional church. He couldn't sense what he had sensed that had happened in that hospital room. And then he found out about a charismatic meeting, and he went to this meeting. And while he was in that meeting, they gave a call for prayer. Whenever they give a call for prayer, always keep going up. Everywhere that Jesus went, people kept going up. I can remember my best friend and I, Carrie Tidbull, who served many years as AGWM administrator, has been with the Lord a few years now. I remember we both got saved at 19 years old, and we were the last ones out of the prayer room every night. We had a lot of issues to deal with. We were dealing with issues with our fathers, and we had things we had to work through. And you know what would happen every night? Every night when we were there praying, everybody would leave. And our pastor, Pastor James Mabry, that knocked on the door of my home for four and a half years, and we never darkened the door of his church to the night I went and got saved 60 years ago last Friday. And uh, Pastor Mabry would just walk by, and he would just put his hand on us and pray. And he'd walk, and he'd just keep saying, wonderful Jesus. He'd come back and pray for us. And somewhere over those hours and hours and hours and hours of waiting on the Lord, God began to do a remarkable physical and emotional healing in our lives. It happens because people pray, amen? And, and, and uh, Brother Jerry Dunphy, he goes to this meeting, and he's, he is there. They give a call for prayer. And he suddenly realizes he has a pack of cigarettes in his pocket. He doesn't, uh, he never heard anybody say anything about it. But the Spirit of the Lord said to him, Jerry, would you like to be set free of those smokes? And he said, I would, God. And he took it all, he took him out. He laid him on the floor. And he said, the Spirit said, jump on him. He said, I began to jump on him. And the next thing I knew, I was dancing and speaking in a tongue. And I had never learned. Why? Because the Spirit of God was at work in his life. And today, as I look at that flame, you see a flame. But I see Pastor Jerry Dunphy and Pam and nearly 200 people that have built their own church. And they're going on and serving the Lord. 
Lord. Why? Because God did something in their life. Jerry said, I worked on Highline. And so I was up on a cherry picker Then a couple of days later. And he said, I couldn't believe what God had done in my life. So I said, Lord, would you give me a sign that it was the Lord, that you actually are working in my life. And he said, I raised my hands to praise the Lord. <clears throat> and a bird come and settled in my hand. I said, it had to be a dove. Well, it wasn't a dove, he said, but it settled in my hand. And I closed my hand, and it flew off. And he said, I said, God, if that was you, do it again. And he said, he came back again. I said, oh, I wish it had been a dove. It had been perfect. But anyway. Come on, give the Lord a hand. All this happens because churches like Christian Chapel for 25 years from time at Pastor Who was here? Yeah. I was just making sure you was listening. Since Richard and Brenda were here all those years ago, because Richard came to Ireland, he saw the vision, and he you know, invested. We came here, and you invested in thousands over the years, and today it happens. And that's what Builders is all about. It's not about me and you. It's about the Jerry Dunphys and the Stevens of the world who had never heard the gospel. We need to move out of this whole narcissistic idea of life and know God's called us for one thing, to get as many to heaven as we can. And that's the opportunity that the Lord will present to you this morning. When you sign up with builders, when you sign up with moving forward with what God has called you to do personally, if the team would come back, I'd appreciate it, the worship team. share a testimony with you. I went out into the... No, we'll share another one. Because we wanted to do, we wanted to do so much, and it was so difficult financially in the early years. I remember preaching in St. Mark's when I was a senior lead there, and I preached one morning on having an entrepreneurial spirit. And I challenged the people that you don't need bigger closets and more clothes. You don't need a bigger house. Pray for God to bless you financially that you can invest in the kingdom of God. I remember one of my guys come to me and he said, I'm praying for $50 million for our nation to reach our nation. That time, the biggest check we had ever seen had been 100000 But in the last couple of years, we've seen checks of a million come through by the grace of God. And nobody's living, driving a better car. Everybody just invests in the kingdom. On the way home from that service, Wilma said to me, Gary, I think we need to build on and sell the other house and build on, and we got a lot of equity, and we can invest it here. I said, Wilma, uh, that message I preached was for the church. <laughs> she said, I am the church, and you're my pastor, and God put something in my heart. I remember saying to her, I said, Wilma, there is so much going. I'm a national leader. We're, we're teaching the Bible school. We've got the churches going. And uh, she was persistent, thank God. She said, I believe we're supposed to do it. So I hired somebody to oversee it. Really, I hired somebody to oversee her. And I said to him, I said, the only responsibility you have is to keep Wilma happy. Because when Mama's happy, yeah, you live there too, don't you? And so we built, and it was amazing. We sold when the market was high. 
And we invested that money. 2008 came. The recession that when America economically gets a cold, Ireland gets pneumonia. That's the way it works because we're back here on the caboose. And churches were folding all around us. People were, were losing everything. 36 young contractors in West Ireland took their lives during that time. It was like the black day in 1929 in America. But because of what Wilma had put in her, we had all these churches we had built, and we'd underwritten their mortgage. And we had a, because every money, the tithes and offerings had come in, we had, a, we had the ability to, to keep all of them going. We were running out of money. And I said, we're not running out of money. Because God put a vision in Wilma's heart all those years ago. We had the finance to shove into the ministry that we had there. And we survived while churches folded all around us. People that had come to Ireland spoke about their great faith, had to leave the nation and so on. We survived, and we went from strength to strength. Ask God to give you a formula, a way forward that you can give more, that you can pray more, and you can believe more. Come, Holy Spirit. Just lift your hand up. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and challenge us this morning. But don't let it just be shaken and not stirred. Stir us this morning in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you, Christian Chapel. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.